Thank you for listening to Women in Sports. This show is all about advancing the narrative for women in the sports industry. I'm one of the hosts, Erin Sinnott. And I'm Ashton Pills. This is a Rising Coaches-sponsored show that gives women in the sports industry the opportunity to tell their stories and talk about their experiences. Glad to have you listening along. Stay tuned. Women in Sports is brought to you by Rising Coaches. Rising Coaches is the biggest coaching tree in all of basketball. We have over 1,200 members of coaches who, from the high school all the way up to the professional level. Uh, and there's three things that we focus on. Community, relationships, and development. There's no straight line in this business. There's only ups and downs and peaks and valleys. And when you're going through them, it is crucial that you have a support system and a community who has been through the fires themselves that you can lean on and help you through those tough times. Genuine relationships. We put the premium on genuine, uh, not just exchanging phone numbers and speaking one time a year at the Final Four, uh, but rather creating relationships that will last a lifetime and help you both personally and professionally. And finally, and most importantly, development. We are constantly providing resources to our members so that they can work on their craft and add tools to their toolbox. The premise is this. If you sign up and become a member for Rising Coaches for just $120 a year, the relationships and the network will take care of themselves organically so that you can focus on working on your craft and better serving the people that you come in contact every single day as a coach. For more information, visit risingcoaches.com and sign up for a membership today. Make those comments on my concept from the get-go. I just get so dangerous, so dangerous. Yeah, two equal sides, don't equal ties. Yo, I came in. What? No. Eyes wide open, darkness closing. All right. Sorry about that. Oh my goodness. Okay. So I am Erin. I am one of the hosts. Ashton will join us later. Um, she had some family stuff and on her way back from St. Louis. So she'll be here momentarily. Um, I'm super excited for our guests and these great, um, individuals that really just represent everything about women in sport and, and embody what we're passionate about and what we're really about. Um, so I'll just kind of start by, introducing um we have coach christina she's the assistant coach at app state we have morgan jones she's an acc analyst and the founder of athletes to visionaries as well as coach jenna an assistant coach at the university of illinois springfield so thank you so much for for being here we um appreciate it thank you for having us thank you i'm excited Yes. Awesome. So we are just going to kind of um, get right into it. So both, all three of you had very um, successful basketball careers, playing careers, um, as well as now it's carrying into your um, actual career. So if you could just um, really talk about um, the inspiration that you got from your playing careers that has really now shaped you um, into what you're what you're doing now. Um, Coach Jenna, if you, you want to kind of just start us off with that. Yeah. Um, so background on my playing days, I started off at an NAI school called Clark University, which is in uh, Dubuque, Iowa. Um, then after my junior year, I transferred to the University of Dubuque, which is a uh, NCAA Division three school. Um, as my playing career kind of started winding down after my senior year, my head coach at the time, Mark Knoll, 
uh, was like, Hey, I don't think you can do anything but coaching. Not saying that I wouldn't be successful anywhere else, but he knew the type of person I was. Um, and so he kind of was the first one to get me into the coaching role, kind of taught me everything I needed to know before I started applying for my first head, first coaching job at the NCAA level, um, which that was at Benedictine University, a division three school in Lyle, Illinois. And with that, I was actually working with the WNBA Chicago Sky as well. Um, so I, without him and without me transferring to the University of Dubuque, I don't think I would be in the coaching profession whatsoever. Um, so props to him for kind of pushing me to be a coach at the collegiate level. Go ahead, Morgan. You guys have to forgive me. My son ran in. I like missed the question. <laughs> I didn't want to interrupt everything. I'm sorry. Are we talking about how we got into what we are doing now? Yeah, just kind of. Oh, I was I thought I was on mute. Woo. Um, just kind of like you guys are all I had very successful playing careers and just kind of how that has carried over and, and inspired you to do what you are doing now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, hello, everyone. We have some we have a lot of participants. This is awesome. This is great. Um, yeah, I, I played at Florida State University. I, well, I played at Northwestern, then I played at Florida State, and then I played professionally in Puerto Rico. Um, and, you know, a lots of great times, a lot of crappy times, right? Um, and really just learn perseverance and, and the push through. Um, I think, you know, transitioning into life after sports, if you will, or what's next is a very tra hard transition for a lot of coaches. And everyone on here probably knows, you know, a little bit about what that's like. Um, but kind of what sports taught me was, um, you know, how to start something like from the ground and build it up and then know, like along that journey, you're going to fail. Um, and along that journey, that's what, that's a part of it. Um, so that's a big, a big part of my journey. And then as well as like all the work that I do, um, with current student athletes, as well with athletes to visionaries, um, came from my journey of an athlete and those pain points and things that I wish existed when I was playing. Awesome. Um, yeah, so I'm Christina Centeno. Um, like Aaron had mentioned earlier, uh, I started my playing career at Siena in Albany, New York. Um, I ended up playing um, for the Puerto Rican national team. I left school about three months um, before school ended to try out for the national team. I ended up playing in Puerto Rico for about four to five months. And we went and um, tried out for, for the 2012 Olympics. Um, then I played professionally in Puerto Rico as well. So Morgan, I didn't know you played in Puerto Rico. So I played uh, for a year. I loved it. I had a great experience. I'm Puerto Rican and I wish I spoke more Spanish than I do because um, <laughs> that's something that I regret. Um, but yeah, so played for a year. Um, won rookie of the year. I had a great experience. We won the regular season, made it, lost in the seventh game of the finals. So that was heartbreaking. Um, I was going to go back and play a, uh, for a second year, but I ended up getting a job offer at Lemoyne, which is a division two school in Syracuse, New York. Um, so my college coach at the time at Siena, when I graduated, she ended up leaving, took a year and then ended up getting the head coaching job at Lemoyne and asked me if I wanted to go with her. Um, and I ended up did, I, I couldn't pass up the offer to, to work for my college coach, someone that I um, really look up to and respect. Um, so ended up doing that, was at Lemoyne for four years and then ended up, um, coming to App State and now I'm going into my, to my fourth year. So I, I had a great journey and everyone that has helped me along the way has helped me to become the person I am today. So, um, yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I like have bits of pieces and connects to you all three somehow in a weird um, networking way, which is really cool. Um, just to kind of continue hitting on your guys's careers, when you transitioned out, um, what was that like? And what were like, were you, I feel like sometimes you're kind of like looking forward to it when you like are graduating and you have this goal um, or and what also were just really hard things to adjust to in with, um, yeah, just adjusting to everyday life and, and not having that team and not having that, um, you know, support as well as, you know, the, the physical demands and all of that. If um, Coach Jenna, like you just want to kind of talk about that and your experience. Yeah. Um, and I think all three of us can kind of attest to this. As soon as you were done playing, it's like, like, what do we do now type of thing? And you miss putting on the shoes every day, being forced to go work out in the weight room and then going to practice, whether it's in the morning or the afternoon at night, you like, as soon as you're done playing, you miss those days and you wish you can have a year or a day back. Um, but that's what I said before. I couldn't imagine my life off the basketball court. Um, obviously as a player, you know, that you got to go lift, you got to have good grades. You got to get it done in the classroom and you got to perform on the court with games. And now transitioning into a, into an assistant coach and hopefully a head coach down the road, you just don't know as a player, what, what the background of what a day-to-day operation of a basketball team, whether at the high school level, AU level, or at the college level, there's just so many things that as a player, you just don't know what it goes into. And we all know this as coaches, it's long hours from the office hours to practice, to film sessions before practice, after games, prior to games, the road trips and everything like that. So um, obviously it was a big transition, but I'm thankful for, you know, learning the game as a player and now learning what it takes to be a coach at the college level. Yeah, absolutely. Morgan, do you want to talk about your experience and playing overseas and all of that, as well as um, even like your, your transfer yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, again, I played in Puerto Rico and um, that's kind of where I finished up my career. Um, but what I, what I realized along my journey is, you know, elementary, middle school, high school, it's fun, right? And then you get to college and it turns into like a job and a business. And um, that was a very difficult transition in itself, um, being that I was such at a fragile state and trying to figure out who I am. Um, and a lot of that um, I realized in that process is that I started to really only identify myself as an athlete. Um, and so when I got to the point of transitioning out, it was very difficult for me. Um, it was very hard to pivot. I fell into depression. I was back on my parents' couch. I was driving Uber on New Year's Eve. I mean, nothing about my transition story was pretty. Um, you know, you go from this like five-star recruit, like you're staying at like, you know, we're like the Ritz for Christ's sakes. Like we were just like, oh, you know, we get on the plane, right? And there's um, Chick-fil-A sitting on our seats and, oh, God forbid they don't have like the Chick-fil-A sauce or the Polynesian sauce. You know, we were so entitled. Um, So definitely a humbling experience in transition, but um, in kind of trying to figure out, you know, like now what's my new passion and how do I, how do I step into what's next while still staying true to who I am? And then I came across the question like, well, who am I? Um, So I started a big reflection process there and that took almost like a year and a half just spiritually diving into that. Um, And that's where Athletes to Visionary was birthed. And then from there um, is when ACC analysts came along and and I started to get aligned with who I was and and my purpose. So um, not easy, but glad I went through it. Um, For for me, I I think my journey um, in terms of getting into coaching 
I think it was laid out for me. I, when I was at Siena my junior year, so my last two summers at Siena, I was able to intern with our staff or with our coaching staff throughout the summer. So I kind of got a, gl- a, a small, small glimpse of what it was like to be a college coach. And from that point on, I knew that's what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to play professionally, but I knew after that I wanted to to get into coaching somehow. I, I didn't know to, to what degree that would be. I didn't know how high I would go, nothing. I just knew, okay, I love basketball. I love being around players. Like, this is what I want to do. Um, so so after I played my, my first year, Coach Costelli ended up getting the job at LeMoyne. She called me and she was like, hey, like, I want to bring you with me. Like, I know how hard you work because I had interned with her for two summers. I also played for her for four years. Um, so she was like, it, it's a no brainer. If you, if you'll come, I know you just finished your first year. You're still young. Um, so it took me a little bit of time. It took me about a, a month or so to actually decide what I wanted to do because I did love playing so much. So I'm like, do I stop playing or, and, or do I, you know, get into coaching, get my foot in the door with, with someone that I respect so much and that I care for. Um, so I ended up making the decision to, to get into coaching. Uh, it was like the end of May. 2013. So it was like May 30th. I, I get, I called her and I was like, you know what, I'm going to take the job. I'm excited. Um, and then about 10, 11 days later, my dad passes away and he was all about my career. Like he just, he moved down to Puerto Rico, lived with my grandmother. He didn't really speak Spanish and he came to all my games. Um, but he was such a proponent for me to be a college coach. Like he knew he was like, like, it's just what you're meant to do. So um, he made, he, he helped me make that decision. And I knew like, you know, I got to make him proud. I knew this is what he wanted me to do. And I do not regret it for a second. Uh, I think uh, this is what I was meant to do again. I'm happy where I am right now at App State. I don't know where I'm going to go or how high I'm going to go in life, but I am happy where I'm at. And um, yeah, I'm excited. So that that's kind of my journey and how I transitioned. Wow. Everyone's stories are so unique and, and so beautiful. Um, Morgan, I kind of want to um, just kind of talk about athletes to visionaries. And obviously we can see through your story and, and through those transitions, kind of what, um, what kind of fuels your passion. And, and if you want to give like a little background of, of what athletes to visionaries is and your goals with it. Um, but yeah, to just kind of speak on like what, what fuels that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Athletes to Visionaries um, is an organization that's geared towards helping female athletes discover who they are beyond the label athlete. Um, So we do that in various forms of workshops, actually live events, um, content, storytelling, vision boards, um, and different products. And so, um, but where that actually started was probably you guys kind of have an idea now, like I've already shared a little bit, Um, but just along my journey, you know, I was just felt so defined by like what people said about my performance And it just really weighed on me a lot. Um, And I I found myself lost a lot of times and just kind of like, why am I doing this? Um, Because you guys know, everyone on here knows the the women's end game is a little bit different than the men's. And so we're not looking at million dollar rainbows at the end, yet we are trained and treated like that. And, um, you know, I was the athlete that was always said, you know, go and get to the pro level. And that's, that's the dream. Um, And then for me, I got there and I was like, there's just got to be more. And um, I took the leap of faith and I like jumped off the bridge, if you will, and transitioned out and thought it was going to be rainbows and it was really difficult. And in that reflection process that I was speaking on early, I went all the way back to like that young girl, like why I started 
and then like each pivotal point of my career and was like, what was missing? Like, how did I get to the point of transitioning back on the couch, Uber driving, like no idea who I was. And I didn't even know like who I could really call. Like coaches have moved on. They've got their next recruiting class. Like they're going to keep going yet. I'm stuck. And so um, as I looked at that journey and started to look at it from a lens of person first, athlete second, and then how they coincide, I started to create from there. Um, and so that's really where it birthed. And um, my biggest thing is like, let's be more proactive about having these conversations early on before athletes transition. That way we can prepare them a little bit better. Yeah, just some background. I missed one of your talks, literally, because I played for Gerald, who's yep. on the call, um, CHE. Oh, okay. So yeah, so Morgan had this amazing talk with our organization, like some of our top girls. And I was like in college watching it on Twitter. I was like, we didn't have these cool things when I played for him. And <laughs> it was just so cool. And, and that's how we got connected here. Um, but that's awesome. Um, so just kind of for our assistant coaches, um, Coach Jen and Coach Christina, how do you really how do you really do that with your players of like person first, athlete second? What are what are kind of your biggest points you try to pinpoint um, kind of being that, that middle, middle woman between the head coach and, and, you know, still being an assistant, but, but kind of being able to be there for your players. Uh, Jenna, you, you got that. <laughs> so yeah, coach Jenna, if you want to kind of talk about your style. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, kind of going about how we connect with our players a little bit is at UIS, we do have kind of like an open door, open office policy here. Um, we encourage our athletes to come see us at least three times throughout the week outside of the basketball court. Um, and that's just connecting us with the girls even more outside of the game of basketball. Because in the end, it's more about just X's and O's. And if we got wins or losses, whatever column we're talking about, we want our girls, we want our girls to know that we are there for them. So if we're trying to have tough conversations with them or anything about academics or even just fun talks about you know, our kind of our team is divided between Chicago Bears fans and Green Bay Packer fan. I'm a Chicago Bears fan and my head coach is a Green Bay Packer fan. And, you know, we had our team divided up a little bit, but it's just fun conversations like those that um, I think by just allowing those girls to come into our office three times a week and just have those kind of conversations, kind of just bridge that gap where it's not just about basketball. I think that the trust will is, is coming. Um, and this wasn't said at the beginning, but myself and my head coach took over this program at the beginning of the year. Um, so we had to build that trust and then build that relationship with our players. And by doing kind of like that open door, open office policy, I think that really helped us translate for what we wanted to do on the court and how we wanted to be successful and build that foundation from um, year one. Hopefully that answers that question a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Coach Christina. Yeah, you knocked that out of the park. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that, I mean, that was a great answer. I, I think we all try to do that um, for, for, for me to keep it more short and, and, you know, same thing as Jenna, but just love them. I think that that's, you know, we try to do, like we just try to show our players that we genuinely care about them as people first. Like we talk about student athletes, but they're people first especially with everything going on in the wor world right now, it's, it's more important than ever to just be like, Hey, like I'm here for you. Like I see you, I hear you. Like, what can I do? Like, and I think that those things asking how they're doing and genuinely asking like, how are you? Like, and don't give me like, I'm good. Like give me a little bit more in depth. I think those things 
go a long way, but kind of just what Jenna said, we have an open door policy too. They come and we, we, we tell them like, please, if you come into the, into the building, if you're going to the locker room, gym, weight room, doesn't matter where you're going, just stop by our office, walk up and down and just say hi, like if you can. So um, we try to do that as much as possible, but them just knowing that we care for them and we love them is, is what we try to do to, to genuinely build those relationships. Yeah. Ashton hopped on here. Um, so she's gonna, she's gonna ask the next question now. Yes. Hello, everybody. Sorry, I was a little bit like really excited for the conversation tonight. Um, kind of speaking more on that open door policy. Could you guys just talk on how you're having, you know, open conversations and the dialogue, you know, with uh, racial injustice, you know, COVID, everything going on? Like, what are you doing for your players during this time? Um, yeah, I, I that's so important now more than ever, right? So you have to have those conversations. I think that's where it starts. And it's not a one-time thing. And we have this conversation as a staff all the time. It needs to be constant communication. So like we had one, we had one discussion with our team when everything kind of started happening. And it was like the greatest conversation we had with them because everyone was being real. We just made a safe place for them to communicate and feel comfortable with us regardless of how they were feeling. You could be angry, sad, upset, happy, anything you're feeling, this is a safe place for you to communicate. Um, but just having those conversations, us educating ourselves, I think that that's where I've probably tried to take the biggest step um, within myself the last month, two months is like, I need to educate myself more. I need to know what is going on. I need to know everything going on. Like, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people have this conversation of, you know, what's your morning routine and things like that. Like I'm probably the total opposite. I go on my phone immediately in the morning because I need to read the news. I need to know what's happening. So I know when my players come to me and talk to me, I can have a conversation with them. Um, but just having those conversations and having constant communication about these things that are bothering all of us is important. And I agree 100% with Coach Christina right there. I mean, we had our first Zoom call when all this started going on about a couple of weeks ago. And we just said, hey, we're going to be here for you no matter what. We are just a phone call or a text and email away. Um, and we kind of let, let it open to what our girls had to say. And out of our 14 kids, we had about seven of them speak up to what they feel and what what's going on in, in the world right now. And that was awesome to see. And especially half of them were newcomers too, that we're going to have this year. Um, so just opening that dialogue, like coach Christina said, is huge. Um, and for coaches, I mean, this is the perfect time to just learn about what, what what's going on in the world today. We don't have our students here on campus. Um, so I'm in a book club right now, reading about what's going on in the world right now, constantly on zooms. I know you guys put on a great zoom call um, about the uh, race and justice here a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I, that sparked huge numbers here. And so that's another learning curve, but we're going to keep on learning just so when our kids do come back, we can have those tough con conversations and kind of guide them into what, where they need to go and where we need to do to be successful. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be interesting too to like see when they do all come back, right. And you guys are on teams with white people and white girls and black girls and like how, when those conversations do arise, when you know, confrontation may arise of like how to still allow that to happen and then like still bring unity in that. 
that'll be a really like special balance that um, I'm sure is so difficult for you guys. Yeah, Morgan, my next question is just kind of like directed towards you. Um, you're in a very extremely unique position where you get to um, reach a lot bigger, more variety, a lot of different um, uh, ages, different backgrounds, um, not just kind of like just the team, obviously, where that's more of like a micro look. You you really get to to see everyone um, on a larger scale. But how how are you able to to connect when you are either speaking to a room full of people or you're on your Mo dialogue, um, you know, videos and, and just kind of what are some ways how you're really connecting with your student athletes and, and reaching your audience? Yeah. So I always put myself like right in their shoes of like really where they're at, because there's no point in like me getting up there and telling them like all this, like new stuff I know about business and life after sports and everything like that, when they're just not in that stage of life. And so for me, I really just try to get and sit in their seat and say, okay, what could she want right now from me? What can I provide her? What may her heart be tear, like torn between, if you will? Um, so that's kind of really the approach that I take when I talk to different um, levels of athletes is, you know, going into a group full of, you know, young girls who um, may not be the top athlete going to college, right? You're going to talk to them a little bit different than you may talk to ones that are serious about going to the next level. So I think it's really just understanding like who you're talking to um, and I think that's just, that's great, Christina and Jenna, just like really like opening up to your athletes and just being like, you know, I'm here for you and, you know, I understand or I don't understand, um, I think, I think is huge. Yeah. And even if you could, um, the, was, is the Mo dialogue, was that something that was a COVID related, um, thing that you did? And then even just, if you can speak to like, just your, your favorite thing about it that has come from it and ways that you have, um, I've jumped on and like listened to a few and how you're able to, to really craft your interviews um, around what's going on right now with, with professional, like high, high powerful um, athletes. Yeah, absolutely. So Mo Dialogue is, um, for anyone that's on here, it's just an, it's an IG live series that I do. Um, and this one in particular, I framed around, you know, who are you? And then like, how do you define success? Um, then here came, you know, all the social injustice. So I had to shift kind of a little bit. And I do it with um, really either top athletes or women that have gone on to just do amazing things. We had ESPN analysts on there, um, UConn player, et cetera. And so, um, yeah, so I started that. And um, to have those type of conversations, I mean, they're difficult, but I think, you know, really and truly it always works better when you're able to like open up yourself and be vulnerable yourself. And like with me kind of, getting to the point of saying, okay, it's great for me. I can hop on the internet and just be like, yeah, black lives matter. But I really needed to look at myself and say, okay, you were biracial. <laughs> you know, you are a privileged segment of the black community. Um, I grew up with a Caucasian mother, so I didn't experience all the same things. However, my dad's side is still on welfare. So I understand both sides and reflecting on my journey of how I've always constantly had to be the bridge builder um, has allowed other people to kind of open up about their experiences in their communities growing up. Um, so it's been really interesting because I've talked to a Muslim, um, played for Yukon Batuli, um, just being a Muslim athlete and then all of the things and challenges she has and trying to like integrate who she is into our culture, um, as well as an Olympian runner who runs the steeplechase and is never really around African-American people. And so um, it was really interesting to kind of hear their stories and um, and hear where they're at with everything, but definitely the way and the gateway into those difficult conversations is vulnerability. 
yeah, for anybody that hasn't seen it, definitely um, check it out. They're they're really fun and, and just very lively and impersonal for sure. Um, but but thank you for that. Um, just kind of for um, on a normal when we're not in COVID, I guess on a, a normal day, how how do you guys really try to support um, the people around you? So so Morgan, I know you do like some broadcasting and, and sideline stuff, and and your office looks a little different, and obviously coaching. Um, you're on the sidelines, definitely different office, but just kind of, how do you, um, how do you guys really support the people around you? So assistant coaches, like, how do you support your, your head coaches and, and your other, um, staff members and Morgan, like whoever you're kind of working with, like, what does that look like from a, from a broadcast, um, standpoint, but, um, coach Jenna, if you just want to kind of speak to that first. Yeah. Um, obviously as an assistant, you nailed it on the head. You got to support your head coach. Um, and I said this before at the beginning of the call, uh, me and my head coach kind of took over this program uh, this past year. Um, she came in and she wanted to lay her foundation and I as an assistant need to be there to back her up. Um, I mean, it was a learning year for us. We kind of called this the year of first. Um, I thought I knew a lot about the game of basketball until I met her. Now I still have my knowledge about the game, but my head coach has been in the year for over 15 years at the collegiate level. She knows obviously three times more than I do. Um, so I had to take a back seat and, you know, learn from her and what, how she wanted to take this program over. Um, now she wouldn't have hired me if I didn't have my say in some things that I needed to say, but um, like I said, it was a year of learning. Um, I've learned so much and kind of, she told me what my role was going to be as an assistant coach here at UIS women's basketball and I kind of had to shape into that role and continue that role throughout the remaining years that I have here at UIS to kind of build this program into a success. Um, and as for, I mean, we have a GA here at UIS, Destiny, if you're on the call, hey girl, um, I hope to be kind of like a role model for you and, and kind of show you the ropes at the division two collegiate level. Um, and obviously she's been a assistant coach at a, at the junior college level at ICC. So she has her background, um, at coaching at the collegiate level, but going into the division two level, if I can just teach her one or two things then she's going to make a huge impact in the collegiate game. Definitely. Yeah. Coach Destiny was on, um, our, our guest panelist a few weeks ago. Um, but coach Christina, if you just want to kind of, uh, share, share your, uh, tips and tricks to being the best assistant. Yeah. So, um, you know, so m my boss at app stay is angel elderkin and she's not a micromanager. So the biggest way that we could help her is just do your job and do it well, do your job and do it well. That's one of the biggest things. I mean, you know, she trusts us enough that she knows we're going to do what we have to do. Um, and being able to take stuff off her plate, so if we could put out little fires here and there um, without it getting to her, now, not, not things that could affect our program, but um, you know, being able to take things off her plate are important, but she also knows that we're doing what we're supposed to do. She doesn't have to micromanage us. So that's something um, that she doesn't have to worry about as much. Yeah, and I would say in, in my field, um, it's really all about preparation for me, like when I show up um, leading other people, if I'm prepared, then I can lead other people. Um, and I think, you know, that's that's really been the key. Um, I think that's a key in a lot of different areas, even if there's GAs on here, like 
you know, there's one thing to show up to the gym and, and do what they ask you to do, but there's a whole nother thing to actually like be prepared with something and like be, do something extra to be prepared and add value. Um, so that's the biggest thing is just preparation. Preparation is huge. Definitely agree. Um, Coach Jenna, kind of flipping it back to you. Um, what's something before entering, you know, your assistant coaching spot at uh, University of Illinois Springfield that you wish you would have known or better been prepared for in a sense with your, your current role? Oh, good question. Um, I think not just at UIS, but in my coaching profession in general. Um, I think in year one of my at coaching at the college level at a D3 school, I thought it was just X's and O's in recruiting. Now, if you take me back to year one, yeah, there's about 5,000 other things that we got to learn at, at the coaching level in order to be successful. Um, so if there was a couple of things that I wish I would have known to better myself at the collegiate level when I started, it's learning more, doing stuff on social media, especially nowadays. Social media is how we're connecting with everyone nowadays. So just creating cool posts, thinking of creative ideas. Um, luckily, this year, I, we had an awesome creative GA that kind of did all of our posts for us. And now that's going into my hands. So now the wheels are turning a little bit to create our social media posts. Um, and kind of just dealing with tough situations. Um, Obviously, probably about five years ago, there wasn't a lot of tough situations that we really had to talk about. Um, so kind of like the situations that we're in now, learning how to deal with and kind of talk to our student athletes about the tough situations that we're going through now. Um, and then budgeting too. I wish I would have learned a little bit more about budgeting and because I'm a spender in my own ways when I spend my money, but um, just learning kind of like simple things like that, uh, I think that would have helped me out at within my first year or two at coaching at the collegiate level. That's really good. Kind of adding on to that, could you even talk about maybe some things that um, people don't know about the D2, D3 level that you could share, you know, to broaden our perspective on, on those levels as well? Yeah. Um, so like I said before, I coached at the Division three and at the Division two level. I was at the D3 level for three years out of my five years at coaching at the collegiate level. Um, and at the D3 level, I mean, the basic thing we all know is that they cannot give out athletic scholarships. Um, so that is where I really, really learned how to recruit um, because at the Division II level and even at the D1 level, you know, when you hand a kid money, that's a good sign to give them a full ride and everything like that. Um, but coaching at the D3 level, we, I truly had to recruit kids that had a passion for the game and really wanted to put being a student first and an athlete second. Um, plus at the Division three level, there's not a lot of coaching staff. You don't have a huge coaching staff or a big support system. So you had to do basically every single task possible, whether it's, you know, coaching, recruiting, all the social media stuff, uh, doing the girls' laundry, tours, academic progress reports, meeting with the kids individually one-on-one. -on -one. So you wore a lot of hats at the Division three level. Um, at the Division II level, yes, you still have to wear many, many hats, but luckily here at UIS, we do have a huge support staff where academics is covered by our academic advisor just for athletics. So my head coach and I and the rest of the staff can focus more on the basketball side. Um, plus having uh, scholarships really helps us out with the recruiting side. Um, but no, I've been blessed to be coach, coach, or coaching at the Division Three and at the Division II level. Um, not just because of the jobs that I had to do both at the D3 and the D2 level, um, but I learned many coaching styles just because of the coaching staffs that I've worked under. 
uh, the different states that I've been in. I've coached in Iowa, Indiana, and now Illinois. Um, so I've made those connections with people, not just in the basketball world, like AAU coaches, high school coaches, and other college coaches, um, but just made connections in the communities that I was in, plus in the institutions that I was working at as well. Really good, thank you. Um, Coach Christina, kind of flipping it over to you, you've really found your, your niche in player development. So could you just talk about how you're developing your players on and off the court? Yeah, so um, I love player development. It's one of my favorite parts. Um, so I love being in the gym with our players. Um, I'm our point guard coach. I also work with our shooting guards. Um, so we just work on a lot of fundamentals, like fundamentals, fundamentals, fundamentals. I'm huge on it. If you can't pass, then why, like, why are we even playing the game, right? So like we work on a lot of dribbling, a lot of um, passing, just the basics, footwork, um, that's really what I do in terms of, um, you know, player development, game shots at game speed, um, just things like that. Um, I'm big on, you don't need to be in the gym for a long time. If you're going hard, like you, you don't need to be in there for an hour and a half. It blows my mind sometimes when players even put on Twitter and put on all these things like, oh, I was just in the gym for two hours doing what? Because if you if you go in the gym and I'm in there for 20 minutes, I could probably get a better workout or put you through a better workout than that two hour workout you just went through. Um, so just being efficient with your time is really important. So that's more on the court, um, more off the court in terms of do you mean developing players like players or developing people like our players as people? Players as people. I mean, okay. I, I think that. Yeah. 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 So, um. Um, one of my biggest things is I love community service. I'm in charge of community service at App State. I think it is huge, not only to get more fans in the gym, like that's, that's not even it for me. Um, I just love getting, getting out in the community. Um, being able to engage with kids is, is like big. If, if we could engage with kids like every day or once a week, I would love it. Um, but at App, we try to do one community service a month. This year we got in about two a month. And we actually led all of NCAA sports in community service hours. And I'm so proud of that. Um, so being in the community is huge. Um, you know, I'm even trying to think of, and I was talking to our staff a couple of weeks ago, is how can we do community service now? Like via Zoom, like what are things that we could do um, now, even though there's a pandemic going on and we can't really get out in the community because it could be dangerous. So what are things, let's start thinking of ideas that we could do via Zoom. So community service, I think is huge in developing our players as people and being better people. Love it, thank you. All of those very great things. I also played against one of the point guards that coach Christina helped develop and <laughs> she was very good at what she did. <laughs> so definitely um, community service wise too. Um, even just like maybe reading to kids that kind of popped into my head. Yeah. Some sort of like getting a class together and, and still doing that. Um, I know it's technically summer, but um, maybe that could, could be, mm -hmm. be a thing, but. Um, so if anyone on this call has ideas, Shoot me an email, please. I would appreciate <laughs> yeah. it. Same. Agree. Yeah, definitely. Um, Morgan, I want to kind of um, shoot back over to you before we kind of open up for viewer questions. But um, just kind of what makes a good, um, you know, 
founder of a company in as well as uh, like a good sports an- analysis. You talked about preparation, um, being overprepared and leading that way. Um, just kind of just talking about um, things that make you successful. Wow. <laughs> That's a good question. Um, you know, and I talk about this all the time because just on this journey, it's like, it's just constant, like being a founder, but essentially like being a founder, that's a fancy name for like saying like creating, like be a creator. Um, it, it, it takes a lot of um, discipline, takes a ton of perseverance. I would say even more than like being an athlete, um, because you're, you're really on your own. <laughs> um, you know, like you, I, every day I have to tell myself to get up. I have to tell myself to work. I have to tell myself to follow up with that email. Um, so it's, uh, it's, um, it's it's a lot of perseverance and quite frankly as y'all can tell like I'm already tired like I'm like I've had a long day like I've been working all day you put your hat in so many uh so many different buckets when you're really starting off and you have like this vision that you want to come to life well you got to just play all the roles and I think that's a misconception in entrepreneurship is like you just land at this like huge idea of like okay now I got the logo and I got the LLC or the nonprofit. like I'm a whole business owner absolutely not like absolutely not I play like a lot of roles in my business and some things I'm overly qualified for, but it's got to get done. Um, so you're really like your own teacher a lot. Um, and then you bring other people with you. So a um, lot of misconceptions in entrepreneurship and, and that. Um, but also um, in terms of um, sports broadcasting, some of the things that um, I guess kind of make you better than others um, would obviously, like I said, the preparation, but it's really just like, how you can communicate it. Um, Communication's a big part. And so for me, like a big uh, skill that I had to teach myself um, was reading a lot more. And I know it's like this idea of like reading, well, what do I read? How do I read? It doesn't matter. Like just reading builds your vocabulary. And before you know it, like it just starts coming out. Um, And then you just build up this bank of words that you're able to just more fluently communicate. Um, So that's been a big one. And then obviously like, you know, body language and, and, and eye, eye contact and things like that. So all the coaches that are on here, like be really intentional about those things in your athletes process. Like it's those little things of like knowing when someone's speaking to you, you look at them in the eyes, you know, be more interested than interesting. Like that's a real skill that athletes have to work on is because we're so used to people coming to us and either telling us what to do, or they're just excited about our journey and us being an athlete that we forget to ask the questions. We forget to be curious about other people. And so when you transition out um, in, in sports broadcasting, obviously that's a lot what it's about is like getting to know like the athletes and like what they're good at and what they're not good at and you know how that plays a part in the bigger picture, um, I, think, I think is really important. And that's definitely something that um, you guys are in great roles to be able to teach your athletes that early. I never could think, I never guess the thought about like, I feel like when you're in a student athlete role, it's always like you get whatever is given to you kind of it's like you are you you got so many thousands of dollars handed to you so you kind of just get what you can can give it and now that's a very 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 um thought-provoking perspective of just the the intentionality and and really great point um thank you a lot for that um we just kind of want to give our um viewers a chance to ask any questions um if they want they can um viewers if you guys want to raise your hands or unmute yourselves i'll kind of see i think jonathan has a question oh yeah absolutely yes it's right in front of my face go for it you can unmute yourself introduce yourself ask your question that's cool um 
my name is Jonathan Finkel. Um, before, beforehand, I had actually one of my former players is actually signed to U, uh, UIS for next year. So I'll be rooting for you guys. Um, just as a side note, um, really excited for him. Um, make sure you see him. And if you tell him you know me, his name's Dante Combs. And if okay. he has to tell him you know me, I'll put him in line. Um, <laughs> but other than that, so you guys obviously being former coach, former players, and, um, you know, Morgan transitioning to the broadcast side. So what's one thing, what's some of the lessons that you learned? now being a coach or as an analyst, seeing so many games of basketball, talking to people, coaches, what's one thing, what's one thing or lesson you've learned right now that you wish you would have known as a player that you could kind of give to your players or just people you meet? Ooh. <laughs> Who wants to start that one? It's such a great question. And it's such like a common question too, but it's a great question. Um, because there's so many things that, like, if we can go back, I think everyone on the Zoom call would, like, go back and be like, I've done this different and this different. Um, but in terms of, like, what I would have, uh, um, like, lessons that I've learned, oh, wow. Um, you know, for, for me, and I'll speak because I can, I can really say this because I'm not, like, in the coaching world, but, like, as an athlete, um, is that, you know, operate as a business a lot earlier. Um, I think that's kind of like naturally happening and very indirectly happening, like almost even so at the youth level, it's starting to get there. But like the more you can shift your mindset to like really maximizing the resources that are at the school, treat yourself like a real brand, like a real business, if you will. Um, I think that, you know, you'll be set up and more prepared um, when that time does come, or you may have more direction when that time comes. I think a lot of the times, even myself as an athlete, like I didn't utilize the resources at Florida State like I should. Um, if I was really on my game and I was utilizing those resources, I would have done a lot more different internships. I would have gotten involved in the different departments there. Um, I would have made more connections with people. So um, that would be my biggest thing is like, just really like, you'll never be in the four straight years of all of those resources ever get in your life. So like, that's the time to maximize those. And even from your coaches to your academic advisor, to all of the things and the roles that the athletic department plays for the athlete, utilize those. Morgan, I'm going to piggyback off what you said. Um, just because I think as an athlete, I wish I would have gotten involved more in campus. Um, yeah. Kind of going to the different events that the campus holds, because you just never know who you're going to meet. Um, yeah. and and who you're going to meet is where you're going to, who's going to take you where in life. Because I think we all know as coaches, I think it's all about who, you know, um, I think that's how you get the next job. Um, so I wish I would have a done that as a student athlete, but B probably done more of that within my first year or two as coaching at the collegiate level, like done more on campus done. We did our community service, but I wish we would have done that extra step instead of doing eight hours per student athlete when we, we might've done 10 and got the coaches more involved just because you, you just never know who you're going to meet and where that's going to take you in life. Right. Absolutely. That's so true. Uh, Jonathan, I wish I would have had a pull-up in college. That's what I wish I would have done. <laughs> um, worked on my pull-up game a little more. I had a better pull-up, you know, playing professionally than I had in college. No, but, um, you know, that, that is a good question. And like Morgan said, it's a common question, but you got to really think about it when someone asks you. Um, personally, I wouldn't have changed like too much, actually. I, I think everything I've gone through, I, it, it's helped develop me into the person I am today. I do wish basketball wise, I would have spent more time in the gym. That's what I do wish. I, 
you know, I love spending time in the gym now, but when I was in college, I was made, I was like, man, I just practiced for two hours. I just lifted for an hour and a half. Like I'm in treatment for an hour. Like I need to go home, but you know, I wish I would have um, probably came in a little earlier, stayed a little bit more late just to actually spend more time in the gym, more time on my game. But in terms of my experience in college and how I developed up as a person, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything. Yeah. Coach Gordon, if you want to go ahead and unmute yourself um, and ask your question, or if you want us to ask it. Hey, Christina. Hi. Hi. I wanted to ask you what type of community service activities do you guys do during the year? Yeah. So um, that's a great question. So, so we do a lot. Like I said, we, we try to work with kids as much as possible. Um, so we'll go out to schools you know, a, a lot of what, um, you know, probably a lot of teams do, um, across the country, but we, we go to kids, we'll read to them, you know, sometimes we'll go and we'll go during recess and we'll play with them. Um, sometimes we'll go, um, we've gone to like a nurse, uh, a nursery and we'll like, you know, play with the little, 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 little kids. And that's always fun. We help clean, um, we work with hunger coalition around here that helps feed the homeless. We do a lot with them. We've done a coat drive. Um, we'll work with our like, um, high country breast ca cancer foundation around here. We'll do a lot of walks with them. Um, if they have, um, some type of walk, we'll get there early and we'll help hand out stuff. We do a lot, but I was actually, I was typing it in as I saw it. And I was going to say, I actually, I have a Google doc of a list of everything we do. So if anyone wants that to get ideas, um, I could, I could definitely send that over. Um, I just like to keep track. The, the thing I'm most proud of that we do. And, you know, if, if you have this around in your community, um, we have this thing called the jo joy prom in Boone and where it's special needs come and, and they get together and they have a prom. Um, and it's like the best thing that we do. And literally all we do is we go as a team and we stand along the red carpet as they're walking in, in their dresses and in their suits and we just cheer for them. And then when they go in, we'll dance and we'll dance with them and they love it. Our players love it. That's like their favorite thing that we do every year. Um, so I would encourage that if you could find um, somewhere around your school that does something like that, um, working with special needs kids, it's amazing. And our players really, really enjoy that. Great question. Better answer. I took um, the video off awesome. anyway. Because. Coach, um, Coach TJ, do you want to unmute yourself and ask your question? Yes, good evening. Um, so my question is, I'm, I'm right now, I am studying really, really hard um, the terms of group dynamics and uh, group cohesion. And so I wanted to ask the coaches, you know, how do you, how do you, how would you define group cohesion and what are some of the things that you guys do in order to ensure that your team is all on the same page? And also, how do you define what the group dynamics are, uh, especially for players who are coming just brand new to your system? Christina, go ahead and take it away. Man, I was about to be like, Jenna, you got this. <laughs> uh, that's a really good question. Um, we're not always on the same page, to be very honest. And, and that's what we strive to do. Um, and that's where we strive to be. So um, we're constantly working with our players. We do a book club with them. Um, so we, you know, we, 
Red Energy Bus. We're doing a book club now. Actually, um, if anyone has read it, Pound the Stone, great book. Um, so we're doing that with them now, even during um, this pandemic. Um, so just try to do things that aren't related to basketball, if that even makes sense, that really could you know help build their relationship. We've had like a game night before um, when the WNBA finals are on or NBA finals, we'll play it in our locker room on our big projector and we'll have dinner. We just try to do things um, to help them build that team chemistry because we really believe if they're together off the court, then it'll translate to on the court. Um, so, so that's what we do. Um, but that was a really good question. I'm sure Jenna and Morgan have um, better answers. <laughs> well, piggyback off you again, team bonding, team bonding, and team bonding, especially during the preseason. Um, we usually do kind of like a cookout at our head coach's house just to get the team together, play a lot of minute to win it games and card games and stuff like that. Just to, it can be in groups, it can be individual, but we just try to get the team together, like Coach Christina said, off the court. Um, We've done it. We did a leadership book with our leaders this past year, um, just to kind of get them to be better leader throughout the season, just so they can help lead the team off the court. Um, and I don't know if your team is like our team, but they love to eat, um, so we'll, especially during um, the winter break. We'll go to the grocery store, buy them a bunch of food, and then they go to their apartments, townhomes, and then they cook. Um, just so we're not there with them, holding their hand 24-7, taking them out to eat, but they're doing something on their own. It involves, obviously, cooking dinner, and then they'll have a game night, movie night, um, and things like that. Yeah I, can, I can, yeah, I can speak on both sides of that. So, like, as a player, I can remember one team bonding event we did, um, which was the – I'm sure maybe some of you guys have done it um, – where we did the color personality test – um, and we did it in a, like a very fun and interactive way, but then there also was a gentleman that came in and, um, like brought us through like kind of a deep reflection. And we ended up sharing things about, um, ourselves that like, we really didn't know. And it goes back to that vulnerability piece. Like if we can get to the point where we're vulnerable, then we end up starting to trust each other more. Um, and so that I remember being like, wow, like I just understood my teammates so much more. And it's a whole different level, um, just in the way that they communicate or way they don't communicate. Um, so that was really helpful. And then, you know, what I do with teams now is we create vision boards. Um, and it's not just like a vision board where you just smack whatever you want on there. Um, I actually bring them through a process. And so that in itself, I've seen really effective on an individual level, but also a team level. Yeah, and to piggyback off that, you know, we get we tell our players all the time, even talking from experience, if I think back to college and I think about my the most memorable time, it has nothing to do with on the court stuff. Um, you, you're with your teammates in your apartment or on the, in the back of the bus playing games and doing all these things. So we really try to, you know, um, develop those type of environments for our players to really build those type of memories. And I think I would say like one of the, the dividers that we had um, was what ended up being a divider, right? Because like you want this cohesiveness, you want everyone to get along, like you said, Christina, like off the court so that it translates on the court. But like, that's the hardest part, right? It's like figuring out if the relationships off the court are cohesive, if they're all getting along, because we're women, we're emotionally wired, like we function a little bit different. And um, one thing that I kind of found is like the common denominator, what it ended up getting to was like, just the gossip aspect of it. Like, there was just gossip and there was, you know, some coaches would be, would pull the players into the office before practice. And then it was just like that lack of communication um, 
there, the standard of communication, if you will, at times that left a lot of loopholes um, for people to wonder what was going on. And so any coaches that are on here, I would encourage you to like, just be open about communication in front of everyone. Because when you can like identify the roles in front of everyone and you open up these conversations, even if you're speaking to one directly, it kind of empowers the whole team. Great answer. If anybody has any other questions, we're going to go ahead and, and start wrapping it up. Um, just kind of obviously what we pride ourselves on and kind of our intentions behind um, women in sports is just the women empowerment um, aspect of it. And so what just kind of something um, quick and, and to kind of conclude, what do you, um, what advice could you share or even just where you see um, women in the sports industry, where you see that overall improving um, throughout the next generations to come? I think we're making strides into getting more into leadership roles. And I think for us being a head coach at the collegiate level, athletic directors at the college level, or even the high school level, um, or being an analyst at the ACC level, kind of like what more, what Morgan's doing right now. Um, I think we just need to continue to make those strides and to be uncomfortable, to get comfortable to make those strides, if that makes sense a little bit. Um, we can't be afraid to, you know, be at the top and, and, kind of be that leader. Um, so I think, I just think that we need to continue to make the strides that we're doing. I think we're getting there, but we, we just got to keep going and doing it. Yeah. I, I really like that. Um, Jenna, I, I try to live by this. I don't do it every day, but do something every day that scares you. I think that only helps develop you even, even doing this. I don't think I'm a great person to, you know, do this type of thing, but you know, I try to step out of my comfort zone and do something I don't do it every day, but I try to do things that, that scare me because it's only going to help me grow. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in terms of like moving forward women, um, in sports and, and, and finding that like inner voice, that inner courage to like go for it. Um, for one on like an, an intimate, like one-on-one -on -one with yourself level, it's like really addressing like your own limiting beliefs and like maybe why you, we don't feel like we should, we belong in certain spaces or why we don't feel like we should be getting, you know, what the men get or equality is like really having that like internal dialogue of like, where are my beliefs coming from? I think that kind of leads you to, to, to see it in the real world and then identify it and move through it. Um, but in terms of like how we all play a role in coaching um, and in progressing the sport and um, progressing women, uh, it just comes down to intentionality. Just you have to be highly intentional about it. And people think it's going to happen just like because we want it to happen. No, like we have to be intentional. And so when you make it to a position or you're in that um, arena to be able to make those decisions of whether to hire a female or, um, you know, help promote one, you have to be intentional about doing it. And so that's just what I've found work um, in a lot of ways um, because there, there's not many people out here advocating for girls to be, uh, progress to the next level. My mentors were men. Um, so I'm just trying to be that mentor for the next girl that I will put your name in the bucket for this hat. I mean, for this job, that's going to be me. Um, if I get to the position to be able to hire, if you're qualified, you're getting the job because we need to progress women. Fantastic responses. Really, really good. Thank you. Um, the last question that we like to ask are, um, what are your points of pride, you know, going into work, you know, on a regular everyday basis, you know, regardless if it was a good or bad day, what are your non-negotiables, you know, walking away from work, uh, 
what are some things that you want to make sure you do every single day? My best. So cheesy, but it's like, that's all you can do. <laughs> like at the end of the day, like I just really ask myself, like, did I do my best? Like some stuff won't go right. Everything will be like all over the place. I'll be like, man, I just boomed that Zoom call. Like, oh my gosh, the play I just called made no sense. But then I just say, I'm just like, but I did my best. You know what I mean? Like I'm gonna, you know, I did my best at that time. And that's all that matters. Go ahead, Jenna. <laughs> I mean, I, I was gonna say that Morgan completely 100% agree. Uh, but something that we added as a program throughout this whole year, both as coaches and as athletes, is that um, we wanted to take time out of our day and make one or two people smile or laugh. Because um, you never know how much that can change someone's day. Um, yeah. So I'm still working on it, you know, but I, I think that as we continue to grow on that, I think just just smiling or making someone laugh every day can change someone's day and especially your day as well. Mm, I love that. Um... That's a good question. Um, I would say for me, um, faith is big to me. So, so my faith is huge for me. Um, so, so I try to operate in love as much as I can. And I think that that's why, what I try to accomplish every day, even when I'm yelling at my players, I hope they know that I love them. So I think that that's where, you know, I, I really try to, sh what I strive to do every day. Um, I can't say I'm always successful at it, but, um, you know, for me showing God's love is very important. So, um, that's what I try to do every day. Wow, you guys are incredible. Um, we appreciate just being here and the time you've given and everything. Um, with that, we're super thankful. I know Ashton and I learn and get a lot out of this ourselves. Um, but if you guys don't mind, if you want to drop um, whatever contacts, I know a few of you did, um, whatever you're comfortable with, email, Twitter, just if people want to kind of get in touch with you or anything like that. But, but once again, we just want to thank you so much for, for being on here. And, and we appreciate all you do for the sports industry, the players and the, the young women, that young men too, that you impact. Um, yeah, so, so once again, we just want to say thank you. Thank you everyone for listening as well. Thank you guys so much. Really, really, really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Yes, this was great. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. Everyone have a great rest of their night. Awesome weekend. For sure. Thanks, ladies, for having us on. Yeah, thank, thank you. you so much, Coach. Thank you for listening to Women in Sports. This show is all about advancing the narrative for women in the sports industry. I'm one of the hosts, Aaron Sinnott. And I'm Ashton Pills. This is a Rising Coaches sponsored show that gives women in the sports industry the opportunity to tell their stories and talk about their experiences. Glad to have you listening along. Stay tuned. Women in Sports is brought to you by Rising Coaches. Rising Coaches is the biggest coaching tree in all of basketball. We have over 1,200 members of coaches who, from the high school all the way up to the professional level. Uh, and there's three things that we focus on, community, relationships, and development. There's no straight line in this business. There's only ups and downs and peaks and valleys. And when you're going through them, it is crucial that you have a support system and a community who has been through the fires themselves that you can lean on and help you through those tough times. Genuine relationships. We put the premium on genuine, uh, not just exchanging phone numbers and speaking one time a year at the Final Four. 
uh, but rather creating relationships that will last a lifetime and help you both personally and professionally. And finally, and most importantly, development. We are constantly providing resources to our members so that they can work on their craft and add tools to their toolbox. The premise is this. If you sign up and become a member for Rising Coaches for just $120 a year, the relationships and the network will take care of themselves organically so that you can focus on working on your craft and better serving the people that you come in contact every single day as a coach. For more information, visit risingcoaches.com and sign up for a membership today.